Ryan Reed from the WOW Ministries with today's message, The Spark of the Charismatic Movement. We're going to go back to uh, Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to go to the beginning portion of, of how we all came to be the way that we came to be in the first place. Uh, and it all starts in the garden, and it starts with Adam and Eve, and we're all very familiar, most of us should be familiar with the story of Adam and Eve. Adam was created, and uh, he was lonely, so God made him a wife that would suit him, and uh, they were to commune and be together and uh, to become one flesh. Uh, he said, my wife is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and, uh, and so it was good. It was a blessing. They were in the garden. They had the ability to eat any of the fruit that God had allowed them to eat, and he said, but you're not to eat of one fruit. You're not to eat of one tree. The fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you can't go there. Stay away from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And how many of you guys know that when you tell somebody they can't do something, they're going to go do just that? Amen? You tell them they can't do it, that's exactly what they're going to go do, right? And so we find that, uh, uh, we find in chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, we're going to look at the, the beginning portion. Why, why, did, why do we live in this sinful world? Why do we live in this world of chaos? And uh, uh, starting in chapter 3, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. So she proclaims that she knows exactly what God said. She knows the right thing to do. She understands God's word. She believes God's word is true. Uh, at this point, she says, this is what God said. I can eat of any fruit, but I can't eat of this fruit. And so she tells the serpent, who is also known as Satan, uh, what God said. Uh, now look in verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open." And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. We go on to read... That uh, because of what they had done, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden and sin entered in. Death happened because they sinned against God. And now we live in a world of sin. We live in a world of death. We live in a world of chaos because of what? Because of the deceiver. Because of Satan. Because Satan deceived Eve into doing something that God said not to do. And we see that from the very root of our faith. The very reason that we deal with pain and death and sorrow is because years before our ancestors decided not to listen to God and to follow Satan and to submit to Satan. Do we understand that? That is the root cause of our problem. And yet to this day, do you not know Satan is still deceiving he is in the deceiving business, huh? That's what he does. He came to kill, destroy, right? He's a liar. That's what he does. He lies, and he's good at lying. And it is easy to follow his lies, isn't it? I mean, our ancestors, starting with Eve, did it. 
And so we see that it is easy for us as humans to fall into the lies of Satan. Now, God hasn't left us without a defense. God has given us the word of God, hasn't he? Just like he gave Eve the word of God. Eve quoted the word of God to Satan. She quoted it. No, but God said, I can't eat of this tree. I need to eat of only these other trees because that's what God said. She knew the word. Except for she allowed Satan's deception to allow her to fall into temptation, didn't she? And so often can we do the same thing. We can allow ourselves to listen to our own desires, our own uh, uh, desire to, to outstep God's will, and then we end up falling into temptation. Wait a second, God puts restrictions on me? I got free will. I don't want to listen to those restrictions. Are you kidding me? I want to do what I want to do, and that's all there is to it. And that's where we all find ourselves getting into trouble, isn't it? Right? So today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the root of where it all comes from. The chaos, chaos took place because of Satan. And chaos continues to take place because of Satan. He continually places heresies within the church to give us what we have today, which is chaos. And the outcome of that is evident. And we can see that if we know the scriptures. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the root we're going to talk about the root of the charismatic movement, the spark of the charismatic movement. Where did this all come from? Why do we have people doing what they're doing, and where did it all come from? Because I'll tell you what, if we go back to the root, we can really search out and see, is this movement from God? We want to know. Because if it is from God, then we should all jump on board, jump on the bandwagon, and, and start moving with the charismatic movement, shouldn't we? We should say, hey, this is a great movement. It is God. Yes, I agree with it. I'm, 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 I'm jumping on board, and I want to see just God move in a mighty way, and I'm going to unify myself with them, and we should be doing that if they are of God, shouldn't we? And so if they're not of God, we need to take a stand, and we need to make sure that we proclaim the truth, and we pull them out of that movement if it is not the truth, because we love them, don't we? Amen? And so today, we're going to go over that. Now, here we go. A call for discernment. I want you guys to go to 2 Peter uh, 2, 1 through 3. A call for discernment. And this is what, you know, everything in your walk with God is discerning. God tells you to discern. And constantly when we read in Scripture, we're told, discern. Is this from God? Is this not from God? Is this from God? Is this not from God? And, and constantly the apostles were letting us know that there would be something called false prophets to raise among us. Satan comes as an angel of light. Do you not know that the moment you said yes to Jesus, you entered into a battle? Amen? You entered into a fight. In the moment that you said yes to Jesus, you took the other side. Okay, but you got to know that other side, Satan, he's still working. He's still involved. He's still manifesting himself in different areas. And this is uh, 2 Peter chapter 2. And this is what the word of the Lord says. But false prophets arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of the truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. 
Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Peter goes on to tell exactly what is going to happen to them. Talks about how uh, hell is on, they're on their way to hell. And he, and he goes on to say that, and he describes it in many different ways, and we're not going to go all through that. But uh, we understand that there is false prophets in the church. Now listen to this. The greatest sin of Christ's rejectors and the most damning work of Satan is misrepresentation of the truth and its consequent deception. Let me say that again. The greatest sin of Christ's rejectors and the most damning work of Satan is misrepresentation of the truth and its consequent deception. How do we know that? From the very beginning, right? Look at what happened because of the deception in the garden. Look at what happened. Look around yourself and you see sin everywhere, don't you? You see murder. You see people uh, doing all sorts of horrible things. They are killing children. They're killing uh, just, it, it's a massive sinful world that we live in where they continue to live in it. And they continue to, to even brag about it as if it's something that is good, right? We live in a sinful world and chaos and calamity happen over and over and over again. And why do they happen? Because of the fall. Because of the Deception that happened from the very root. Amen? Now look at this. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. What they do is they create a truth that is false, if that makes sense. What they do is they take on the name of Christianity. And it says they deny the master. Meaning this, the word of God says this, but I'm going to say this. And what I say is better than what the word of God says. And so they say that Jesus is their master, but yet they deny him with their heresy that they come up with, if that makes sense. So they create something within the church and they use it as if it over powers the word of God and we as the church and the body of Christ know that the word of God is the word of God and we're to follow the word of God what did Satan do in the garden from the very beginning he denied the master didn't he he denied God and he said no God didn't surely mean that God was jealous of the fact that you would become like him and he didn't want you to become like him he deceives and that's what false prophets do. They're raised up, and what is behind them, guys, is Satan. And we have to understand that Satan is behind them. They're false teachers, and they rise up, and they bring in destructive heresies. And with these destructive heresies, they deny Christ who bought them. It's kind of funny because... Really, Christ didn't buy them. Really, he didn't, uh, they didn't accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But because they're proclaiming that Jesus is their Lord, he's kind of using a, 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 a way of, uh, he's kind of being sarcastic here, in a sense. The master who bought them. Okay, if you want to say that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you should submit to him in everything that you do. But you're denying the one that you claim is your Savior by bringing in a doctrine that is false. Does that make sense? And many, look at this, many will follow their sensuality. Many will follow these people. Many will follow these. Do you know the charismatic movement is at a half a billion people? I told you that last month, didn't I? A half a billion. Do you know the Mormon uh, church has 14 million people within it? 
That's many people. That is a lot of people that have been that have followed the, the way to destruction, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. They're not only bringing upon themselves swift destruction, but every single person that they lead astray is being led into destruction. Ooh, we need to be careful, don't we? We need to understand that there are false prophets among us. There are false teachers among us. They're everywhere. The Bible says Satan comes as an angel of light. He takes on different forms. He took on the form of a serpent in the garden, didn't he? And so we understand that, that that's how Satan operates. And the only way for us to know and understand what is not from God is to know and understand the word. Now, we don't want to be like Eve and know and understand the word and yet continue to deny it anyways. Because that's what she did. She knew what she was supposed to do. She couldn't claim ignorance, and yet she still fell into temptation and followed Satan. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemy. Now, I cannot stand it when somebody takes on the form of Christian and does a whole lot of things that aren't Christian and still calls themselves Christian. Do you want to know why I can't stand that? Because many who I preach to and minister to and love on and hope to come to know who Christ is, they look at the actions of these people, they look at the doctrine of these people, and they say, I don't want nothing to do with Christ. Look at them. And they are confused, aren't they? Our family members are confused. And so Satan takes on the form of Christian many times, and he does it in order to make people very confused, so confused that they don't want to have anything to do with the Bible at all. And that's the way Satan works. He is a deceiver. But Jesus said this. He said, seek me and you shall find me. Amen? Are we seeking him? Are we taking the time to seek him? Are we making him the center of our life? Because I'll tell you what, if you seek him, he said you will find him. If you seek to know and understand the truth, you will find the truth, and the truth will make you free. You know what, people, we get so gullible sometimes. We'll just believe anything anybody tells us. We really will. We really will. Oh, that happened? Okay. We don't search to the root of the matter. We just take somebody's word for it. Like Eve took the word of Satan. Oh, really? Really, Satan? Oh, okay. But if we understand the purity of God and his word, we trust God. We know the character of God. We can trust who God is. We have God's word to protect us, to lead us, to guide us. We have his promise within his word, amen? And so if God says no, we say no. If God says yes, we say yes. And we can know if we're standing on God's side that we're standing on the right side. Amen? And so we need to battle with the word. And when we do that, we can find out what is from God and what is not from God. But also we can help pull those that are being led astray away from that destruction, can't we? Look at this. And in their greed, verse 3, they will exploit you with false words. Man. In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. A lot of times behind false prophets is money. Money. Oh yeah, that's what they want. And they usually get it because people are gullible to follow them. They're not using the Bible as their sword. They're just 
sheep <laughs> with no shepherd, in a sense, right? Isn't that Jesus, what Jesus called us? He called us sheep. I don't like being called a sheep, but I am, amen? <laughs> I need Jesus. I need a shepherd, and I know that. I can be like a dumb sheep. <laughs> I really can. And so, so can many other people. But when we come under the knowledge of the truth, we're held accountable to it, aren't we? We're held accountable to it, and we're to stand up and fight. We're to stand up and fight and to share the truth and to help people and to guide them and to lead them, aren't we? We're called to do that, guys. The Bible says their condemnation from long ago is not idle. God's going to take care of them. God's going to take care of them. He will destroy them just like he's promised. But I'm concerned with all the people that they're leading astray. Amen? I care about the souls of those people. And I care about the ones that are listening to their nonsense and following their nonsense and believing that that's what Christianity is all about. Now, I've had instances where I've walked into churches and there has been utter chaos in these churches. The doctrine is false. They're teaching things that are heretical. And they're acting as if it's God. Now, when somebody says that Jesus is somebody that he's not, you're going to stand up and say something, right? But do you not know that the Holy Spirit has that same honor and respect? If somebody says the Holy Spirit is doing something when he's not, you better get upset. Hey, that's not the Holy Spirit. You're calling the Holy Spirit something that that is not. Just like when they call Jesus something that he's not, you should be offended by that. And you should be offended when they call the Holy Spirit something that he's not. You should be offended when they call God the Father something that he's not. Many times the church has stood up for these. When somebody calls Jesus something that he's not, we make sure we stand up and say, no, that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Like the Mormon doctrine that says Jesus is the brother of Satan. That's not Jesus. Come on now, I'm going to stand up and tell you the truth. That's not Jesus. Jesus is in the Bible and he's not the brother of Satan. I'm sorry. That is not the truth. And when they come in and they say that the Holy Spirit is doing all these mighty works and power and all this stuff, and he's really not, we need to stand up and say something about that. Because it's false. You say, prove it. I will. Acts chapter 2. Go to Acts chapter 2. Now what we're going to get into is we're going to get into the spark of the charismatic movement. We're going to get into where everything began. Because I think that's important. And where this all began is it began at a Bible college years ago in Kansas. Acts chapter 2 verse 2 is what they were studying. Now, I'm not going to go into the detail and exposit this chapter yet. I'm going to do that next time so you can really understand what the day of Pentecost all really was about and what the scripture really says about the day of Pentecost. But I'm going to read this to you so you guys have a foundation of what they were reading before this event happened. Hear the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? 
Parthenians and uh, Medes and Alamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Phrygia and Pam, I can't even read that one, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and the proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they were filled with new wine. Now, so what happened was, and Pastor Lynn explained this perfectly, is they were, what happened, they were sitting in there in the room, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came down and hit them, and they were able to speak in a language they didn't know to people that were out there. For example, if one of you guys, who can speak Spanish in this room? Who understands Spanish in this room? Thank you. Okay, so I don't know a word of Spanish except for como esta, okay? <laughs> all right, so other than that, I don't know it. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting in this room, and bam, the Holy Spirit hits me, and I speak to him in Spanish, and he understands everything that I am saying because I'm prophesying the word of God to him. That is what happened on the, on the day of Pentecost, okay? So we understand it was a language that they could understand, and that was what was amazing about it. They didn't just get hit by these gibberish sounds, and then all of a sudden everybody's looking at them like, what are they doing? No, they understood the languages, okay? Now, where did this come from? Where did the charismatic movement begin? The charismatic movement began in Kansas in 1901 at a small prayer gathering between college students and their professor named Charles Parham. After reading and studying the book of Acts, chapter 2, the Bible students and their professor came to the conclusion that speaking in tongues was a sign of spirit baptism, and the gift of tongues was still available for them to have. And so what they did is they all gathered together, and they desired to have this gift that they had been studying about. They desired to have it so bad because they believed that the word of God states that in, in, in Acts chapter 2, that if you believe there should be some sort of spirit baptism happening. Granted, this happened not even a hundred, what, a hundred years ago? 1901, okay, is the beginning of this. And so what happened is they all gathered in this room. There was a woman named uh, Osman is her last name, and she was sitting, uh, Inez Osman, and she was sitting in this room, and all these students were gathered together, and they were all praying. And then Osman asked the, the professor to come over, and, Perham, and uh, lay hands on her. And so they were sitting there, and all of a sudden the professor comes over, and he lays hands on her. And he just starts to pray. And he's praying and praying and praying, and then all of a sudden he said, there was like a halo that came down from heaven. And it hit around this woman, and then all of a sudden she started to speak in Chinese. Now, I'm not sure what that sounded like, you know, but I could imagine, you know, chung ching, chong ching, 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 chong ching, right? All of a sudden, she, they're saying she is speaking in Chinese, right? And she does this. They say she can't stop. Perham says she can't stop for three days. She cannot stop speaking in, in tongues, what she calls, for three days. And I don't know how they knew it was Chinese. I don't know if someone there understood what Chinese was, and that's how they could tell. But maybe because all the way that they pronounce their language, I don't know. Okay? So that's what happened. So after this happened, the spark of the charismatic movement started from that room at Bethel College in Kansas. So with every story, we need to look into the roots of the story. 
And we're to, to have a call for discernment. We need to be like investigators. Okay, you say this happened. But let me, let me go to the root of what happened. There's a problem. Osman told the story as he told it. But there is issues and conflicting versions of this story that sparked the charismatic movement. The first part was Parham stated that Osman couldn't speak in English after three days. But Osman, the student, stated she had prayed in English only a day after. Uh-oh, they didn't get their story straight. Second, Parham stated that the incident happened on New Year's Eve. Osman stated it happened on New Year's Day. Okay. Parham claimed Osman and the fellow students had been to Bible studies on the book of Acts, and Osman said she hadn't been to any Bible study of Parham's, that after this so-called incident happened, she was able, or she pointed people to the book of Acts and said, this is the reason why I was able to do this. Huh. So right off at the beginning, we have conflicting stories. That should be a red flag in our mind, shouldn't it? Because I'll tell you what, when God does something, you're going to know exactly why God is doing it. This is where it all started, guys, from this story. Here we go. Then, the students claim to have spoken in different languages that could actually be interpreted, but that, in fact, was not true. They, in fact, could not. They couldn't speak in those languages. They had said that day that they spoke in all sorts of different languages within that room. They said that all sorts of languages was coming out, and it wasn't only coming out of Osman. It was coming out of each of these students. And they swore up and down that they were speaking other languages. So... The, 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 the professor, Perham, decides, okay, we have this miraculous power. We have the book of Acts opening up here at Bethel College. You know what? Our students, they don't need to study anymore. The missionaries, they don't need to study other languages anymore. No, they have the power of God within them. Let's send them to other countries and have them go and speak on behalf of God to people in different languages because they have the gift. Osman was so into the fact that he believed that they had this supernatural gift and power. So they traveled to foreign countries in efforts to preach to others with their newfound gift, but failed. What ended up happening is they went to these foreign countries in all different places. I, I get a kick out of this. They went there already. Oh, they had the power of the Holy Spirit, they claimed. And they went there ready to speak to somebody in Chinese. They went there to speak to somebody in Arabian. They went there. They were ready. And they came back. Eighteen of them came back. And do you, know, do you know not one of them was able to minister the gospel in another language that was understandable? They stated that when they spoke, it was gibberish. They couldn't understand what they were saying. Hmm. Do you mean to tell me you sent all these missionaries over there that thought they had a gift of speaking in another language and you didn't check to see if that language was true before you sent them over there? Yep, that's what they did. So every single missionary that went over there to speak in a so-called language wasn't able to speak in the so-called language that uh, Perham said they had the ability to do. Hmm, that's a sign, right? Red flag. Not only that, they were so into the fact that they had this gift that they started to write down other languages that they believed the Spirit was empowering them to do. The Topeka Daily Capital took a look at all these so-called languages that they had written down, and it looked nothing more than chicken scratch. Wow, that's a red flag. 
Let's keep going. Next, if God is seriously using a church, if God is seriously at the beginning of a movement, we need to look to the leader, right? We should look to the character of the leader. Jesus said, by their fruit you shall know them, right? And so we should judge the actions of the man himself. So when, uh, when we look into Charles Parham's character, um, we see a couple things. First off, Parham traveled through Kansas and sparked a movement based on the testimony of his experience to where around 5,000 people began to follow him. He started telling everybody, look, this miraculous thing happened. All these languages we were speaking and people were gullible and just jumped on board. Really? You guys can speak in other languages? Let me ask you a question. Do you know Spanish? I'll even do it further than that. Do you know Arabian? So how would you know if I'm speaking it or not? So if I just started to speak in some nonsensical gibberish that I told you was Arabian, would you just gullibly believe me? That's what they did. They just believed. Oh, yeah. And they took gullibility as faith. Oh, we just got to have faith. Well, we need to be discerning, don't we? And so Parham starts off and 5,000 people start following him. They're, like, they're jumping on board. Well, what ends up happening is a woman was beaten to death by Parham's followers because they claimed they were getting a demon out of her. So uh, the Parham cult is what it started to become. Uh, these men started praying over this woman that had a, a, a disease of, of inflammation. She, she, her joints didn't work the right way, and so she asked for prayer. And instead of uh, uh, praying for the, this woman, they thought that they needed to beat her to death in order to get this demon out of her. This was Parham's cult. This is the beginning of the charismatic movement. Ooh! So Parham didn't get in trouble for that because he wasn't there, but it was widely known that Parham's cult and every, all of his believers and followers were behind it. Let's keep going. Later on, Parham then was arrested in a hotel in Texas for charges of sodomy. Ouch. You guys know what sodomy is? Well, in Texas, it used to be a law. Homosexuality, you weren't allowed to, to, to be homosexual or to do homosexual acts. It was against the law. And so he was found inside of a hotel uh, and was charged with sodomy. That hurts his character a little bit, huh? So even the movement that was following him thought that what he had done was wrong, but they just continued on doing what they were doing, thinking that God was in it, right? Oh, yeah, the leader, you know what? He, he must have been just messed up, and he, he made a mistake, right? So a little after that, his reputation was destroyed. So he raised funds stating that he would go to the Holy Land and find Noah's Ark and the lost Ark of the Covenant. So he got all this money and he told all these people, I know where the Noah's Ark is, I know where the lost Ark of the Covenant is, and if you give me money, I'll go to this other country and I'll find it. After receiving the money, he traveled to New York and then claimed he got mugged and was no longer able to make the trip. Hmm, really? Claimed he got mugged. That's what he said. I didn't have the money. I, I, I had the money. I was there, and I wasn't able to buy the ticket. I got mugged. Hmm. Do we see something? Do you guys see Satan all over this? Okay. So we know from the very beginning, Satan is at the forefront of this. Based on the facts that Parham and Osmond couldn't get their story straight, Parham's students proved to only have a gift of gibberish 
when traveling to foreign countries to have their gift utilized, the obvious wicked character of Parham, we can all conclude that the spark of the charismatic movement was nothing more than Satan's attack on the church. Amen? That is what's happening today, guys. You see a movement today that was sparked by this man. How do we fall into this? How do we so easily get tricked into following this? You know, last night I went through and I, I watched a bunch of different videos, and I'll tell you what, people just really don't have uh, the Word of God down. They really don't. I listened to this one lady talk about how she, for years, just didn't have the gift that they called it. And she desired it, and she desired it, and she desired it. And one time she started speaking in gibberish, and, and she felt her conscience come to her and say, that's not, that's not speaking to God. That's not speaking in tongues. You shouldn't do that. And she said, oh, I don't want to listen to that. That had to be Satan. And so she kept trying and kept trying and kept trying. This is her testimony. And eventually she believed she was speaking in these other languages. Hmm. But what does the word say? What does the word of God say, guys? That's what's important. Would God start a movement through a lying act? Through a deceptive act? Only a hundred years ago? Are you telling me all throughout the church age, none of this happened? And then all of a sudden, a hundred years ago, it happens. Hmm. I'd like to call it out. How about you? Do you believe that this movement is genuine? Really ask yourself. It's scary, isn't it? Now, when we bring this to the forefront and we tell people this, they call us being dis divisive. They say that we should be in unity with charismatics because, you know, uh, they're of God and they just believe a different portion of Scripture. But I'll tell you what, they are blaspheming God. When you call something God and it's not God, that's blasphemy. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. You are blaspheming the very character of who God is and you're claiming it to be God. And then you're claiming to be a Christian on, on that note too as well. And what has happened is a lot of them, and I feel so sorry for many of them, because some of them just don't read their word. You know, they don't listen to what God says and study to show themselves approved unto God. They don't look at the core of the matter. They don't look to, the, to, to, they, to read stuff like this. They just believe it. They go walk into it, gullible. Ouch. You want to make sure that you know your word, guys. You want to make sure that you know the truth. You want to make sure that you know your Bible. Because it is your defense. God's word is true, and we are able to, to discern what is not true by his word. Amen? And we can discern that. Now, I want to take you somewhere in the scripture real quick. Let's go to 1 John uh, chapter 4. Now, guys, you need to understand that in the last days, the Lord has claimed through the word that apostasy would happen. That false doctrine would, would uh, raise itself up more and more and more. That a great deception would come in more and more and more. The closer we get to that day, the worse off it's going to be. And do you not know in the last, I would say, 200 years, cult after cult after cult has raised itself up in the church? Cult after cult after cult has raised itself up. It has never been like this before. But yet each of these people, and Satan does it, he deceives and he's behind the deception... And he brings in these heresies and people follow them. Joseph Smith, another one that we need to watch out for, right? 
came in and said that he, uh, he got these uh, plates and God spoke to him and told him all these things and he wrote it down and uh, uh, he wrote the Book of Mormon and you know, had all these things and said God was, was uh, telling him special revelations and the, and the Lord needed to re-spark the church. You know when that happened? In the 1800s. But when we look at it and we discern it by the Word of God, we can know that he's a fraud and so is the movement. And so are those that are within it. We need to do that with every movement that tries to place itself up and call themselves Christian. We need to look at them and weigh them out. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruit, right? And we really need to be discerning. 1 John chapter 4 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Stop right there. He says, test them. Test the spirits. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. You are to test them. How do you, how do you test them? One, look at their character. Look at, look at uh, what's shooting forth from their life. Somebody, and usually it comes from a leader. So you look to their leadership. And you look into the character of their leadership. It says, test them. Do they have the fruits of the Spirit within them? When they preach and they minister, do they minister the Word of God? Do they tell you exactly what the Word says and they break it down exactly the way that they should according to the Word of God? We need to test those spirits. We need to be wise in that sense. People are going to come to you guys and they're going to call themselves Christian. Just because they call themselves Christian does not mean that they are Christian. You may find yourself ministering the gospel to many people that call themselves Christian. And it's because they have been deceived by many of these false prophets. You have the word of God within you. You have something so beautiful before you. You're to study it. You're to learn it. You're to know it. To help people, guys. Amen? That's what we're called to do. It's not just Pastor Len and I's job. Your guys' job is to do that too. Wherever you go. And the reason why we started a movement on this is because we have a love for those people that are out there that are struggling with this. We have a love for those that are out there that are really being led astray by this. And we want you guys to go out and share. Look at how many people we have in here. Raise your guys' hand. Everybody raise your hand. So we have probably about 40 people in here right now. Now you guys have an influence on I don't know how many more people. Each of you guys have your circle of influence. Think about how many lives could be touched if each one of us studied the Word of God, knew the Word of God, and shared the Word of God. Do you not know that if they're accepting a false Christ, that they're still headed to hell? Let's go to Galatians chapter 1. If you don't accept the true Jesus of Scripture... You've accepted a false Jesus. You've been deceived by the serpent. Destruction is coming your way just like it came Adam and Eve's, right? And look at what happened. God is faithful to his word. Eve did one thing. She didn't listen. And immediately what happened? She died spiritually that day for one thing wrong. That's how God is. You got to make sure that you got it right. And that's why he says, seek me and you shall find me. Now watch this. Galatians 1, 
I am or one verse six. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and in turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Wow. If somebody comes before you and tells you of a different Jesus, of a different Holy Spirit, of a different Heavenly Father, other than the gospel that they have claimed, he says, let there be a curse on them. Because they are cursed. They are condemned. They haven't accepted the Son of God. Watch out. Now, what happens is they follow the teaching, they believe the teaching, and then they share the teaching. They're sharing a false gospel. They're being deceived. So what are you to do? Well, you're to share the truth with them. I think, Pastor Lynn, years ago, I was within this movement. I believe that I had this gift that they talk about. I was speaking in gibberish. My life was chaotic, guys. I did not know who God was, the God of Scripture. Uh-uh. It was chaotic. There was all sorts of uh, demonic influence within every part of my life. Came there and he shared the truth with me. He said, no, that's false, man. You're not speaking in tongues. That's a lie. It's a lie. Gave me the word of God, shared it with me. Sat there on the phone with me for hours and told me, no, that's not true, man. This is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. No, you need to turn from that. No, you need to turn. No, you can't do that that way. That is not truth. And now look. I sit here before you guys because he was faithful to tell me the truth. Amen? Tell somebody the truth. Take the time to share it with them because it'll set them free. I've never been more close to God. I understand who God is in the Scripture. I understood because I have the Holy Spirit dwelling within me. I understood based on what was being told to me how false it was. But it takes somebody to take you to the, the doctrine. The Bible says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Listen, the way to get them to know the truth is to share the truth. Your experiences are one thing, but to know the word of God and to lead them in the truth of the gospel, it'll set them free because they can't deny the word. You can't deny the word, amen? At the very beginning of the charismatic movement, Perham knew that it was languages, and they understood that. That it was actual languages that they were speaking. And they knew they had to speak actual languages for it to be the true gift. Now this is where the charismatic movement has taken it into. Since they couldn't understand the languages, they say it's some sort of spirit way of speaking. Now, let me ask you a question. The Holy Spirit dwelt in Jesus more than anybody, right? Uh, and... Have you ever heard of Jesus when the scriptures speak in any other language than one that we could understand? But he's God. Wouldn't we look at him and, and, and base our, our facts off of him? Hmm. When the apostles spoke in tongues, you could understand it. They spoke in languages that were understandable to others from different areas. So the so-called gift that they call a spiritual language is nonsense. It's not truth. 
Now, what goes, what, you know, I, who, how many of you guys know Benny Hinn? You familiar with him? He's got a massive uh, ministry, and he uh, claims to be full of the Holy Spirit. And you go to his, his places and his revivals, and you'll see him take a big sheet, and he'll throw it across, and everybody falls down, and, uh, you know, and he says it's the power of the Spirit. Well, do you know at one of his revival meetings, a lady died? She was knocked over, and she actually ended up dying. Uh, somebody had been kicked by the Spirit, and she was hit, and she died at one of his revivals. There's a huge lawsuit on it. Hmm. Yeah, God is in that business, right? Where uh, a place where he's to be honored and respected and, and to be loved and to, to, to really be lifted up, a lady, by the power of the Spirit, just gets knocked over and dies? I mean, come on. I've heard of uh, uh, stories where, you know, they were speaking in this gibberish and all, all of a sudden, you know, this uh, pastor comes up and supposedly hits them and then they knock back and people getting hurt. Told you guys last time a wig fell off a lady. The guy picked it up, put it back on her. Right? This is, this is nonsense. But yet they believe this is God. They say this is God. They desire the experience. Listen to this lady say, I just want this experience. I want to feel God. I want to feel him. Does it, does it say anywhere in Scripture that we're to desire to feel him like that? Like if we can't feel him, he's not with us? It says walk by faith, not by sight. Right? We know God is with us because we believe that his word is true. And because we believe his word is true, we have faith in him. We don't need the feeling to know that he's with us. We need the word. And we take him at his word, right? Pastor Lynn, I love what he said uh, in, uh, just before when we were talking about worship. He said people come in and they try to worship God, and if they don't feel good in that church, they believe the Spirit isn't there. You kidding me? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Isn't that what the Bible says? We're not to follow this heart. We're to follow what the Word says. Not go by our feelings. We live in a fleshly body. Our feelings will lead us astray. Oh, but that charismatic teacher, he's so nice and he's so genuine and he's so loving and he does all these great things for the community. He's got to be from God. No, he's not. The Bible says Satan comes as an angel of light. And I've explained it this way. Some of you ladies growing up, you may have dealt with this kind of guy. The player, you guys ever dealt with that kind of guy? Right? Some of you ladies know that. Some of you men may have been that way, right? He just smooth talks you. Smooth talks you and makes you, you know, feel all great about yourself, right? And, and then all of a sudden, you know, he, he, he's just, he's got one thing in mind, right? But you don't see it. And everybody else around you is telling you, ah, stay away from that guy. And he goes in for the kill, right? That's Satan. Satan doesn't come in a way that you know it. He doesn't. You guys ever heard the story of uh, the wolf that dresses up like grandma? Right? She looks like grandma. But you got a big nose. Doesn't look like it. You got, you got big ears, grandma. What happened to you? Right? But it's the wolf. Right? He disguises himself. Let's be wise. Amen? Let's discern. Let's see what is truth. Let's know what is truth. Hey, I'm not walking in there. I don't want to get eaten by that wolf. He says that they will be wolves in sheep's clothing. Watch out for them. 
I did this today and we do this today because we care about you guys. We care about your family, care about your friends. We care about all those that you would come in contact with. We want to expose the wolf to say, get away from there. Stay away from that. Don't go there. It's not good. And that's our job as ministers. Amen? And you see, getting closer and closer and closer up to that point when Jesus comes back, guys, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. This movement is huge. It's a half a billion people. you got the seven-day Adventists. You also have the Mormons. You have a Jehovah Witness. You have all these, these uh, cults that have raised themselves up, and they're claiming to be Christ. They're false Christ guys. And they come in the form of a movement. Be wary of that. You guys are here. You're here to know and understand the truth. You're getting the truth. Take it in. Study it for yourselves. Know it and understand this is a serious matter. This is a serious matter. And we need to continue to share about it. We need to continue to tell people the truth about it. We're going to go even more in depth, guys, uh, in, in later times. I'm going to go uh, next, next service. I'm going to actually go into the depth of uh, Acts chapter 2. We're going to learn about what really happened on the day of Pentecost, why that was important, uh, and what exactly spirit baptism is all about, and, and what that means so you guys can truly know what the Scripture says. You don't want to miss that. That's going to be the last uh, service of next month, too, as well. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for everything that you're doing for each and every one of us, Lord. Father, we know that you've called us to share uh, uh, this message, Lord, and you've called us as a congregation to know and understand the lies of this movement that is one of the largest movements in the world. Father, we pray, Lord, that as we go through these services, God, that you would help us to understand even more. Equip us with the tools that we need, God. Help us to understand the truth, Lord, that we may go to our friends that are charismatics, that we may go to our loved ones that are charismatic, that are within this uh, lie of a movement, and to share with them the truth that they may be set free, God. We pray for them, Lord. We pray for their salvation. We pray that you uh, just uh, would touch them in such a mighty way. We pray that you would lead them to the truth. We pray that you would help us to be more discerning, Lord. You said that as we pray for wisdom that you would give it to us, Lord. Father, may your name be honored. May your son's name be honored. May the spirit of the living God be honored always and forever. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. If you are interested in visiting the Wild Ministries, we are located at 5700 South Country Club Way, Tempe, Arizona, 85283. Our Sunday service begins at 10 a.m. and ends at 12 noon. Our Bible study services are on Wednesdays beginning at 7.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. For families with children, the Well Ministries has classes available for children 6 months to 17 years old. If you have any questions, you can contact the senior pastor, Lane Andrews, at 602-460-2195 or the associate pastor, Ryan Reed, at 602-434-4073. Come drink at the well. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. Goodbye and God bless.